Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from around the state to your town square. With our hosts, Mickey Shields, the Director of Membership Services, and Katie Wheeler, the League's Business Relations Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome back to another episode of The Square. Katie, yes. are you with us? Are you well, there? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing pretty well. Uh, it is fall, and uh, I felt like we had like our third summer this past weekend or uh, here recently, <laughs> but now today, things seem like the weather's changing for good. Uh, kind of sad. I, I, I'm, I like yeah. summer. Same here. I, I don't, my, I mean, I like fall too, but well, what I really don't like about it is what's following. Yes. You know what's, you know what's next. Yeah. Don't even <laughs> so, say it. I don't. And like, I I don't, I'm sure some other people out there get the same things. I get these emails from the DNR that's got like the fall color report. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you can go find uh, different spots around the state where they got some really good color and the trees changing, all that, which is exciting. But again, it's kind of like this sad sort of thing like, oh no, all the leaves are going to be gone here soon. And I know we went next. to uh, the ledges oh, yeah. last weekend and it was pretty. I mean, it was starting to change then mm-hmm. and it was so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Get out and enjoy it while you can, folks. And then, uh, you know, we'll just brace for winter like usual. That's right. (laughs) Well, what's what's new with the league? What's going on? Oh, my. So much. So we get done with our annual conference, which was in September in Corville, along with our virtual conference. And that's always just a a great event for us. And we'll talk more about some of the things that went on there this past year as we get into the episode. Uh, but uh, there's really no rest for the weary because we quickly switch gears at the league to our fall training events. So uh, as we speak here, uh, it's mid-October, we're getting ready for our budget workshops, uh, Municipal Leadership Academy since is a city election year. And uh, What is that for some of our listeners who don't know what that is? The Municipal Leadership Academy is something we hold every other year after the city elections. It comes in three parts, with the first part occurring right after the elections in December. And it's, it's primarily designed for new elected officials, but it's really open to anybody. Uh, it, and the, the intent is to go over the basics of municipal government. So we cover open meetings, the city budget, uh, different city services, planning and zoning, economic development, nuisance abatement. Uh, all done in a very basic fact, fashion so we can get those newly elected officials hopefully up to speed so they're ready to jump right into their roles as a council member and make good decisions. Uh, that being said, we do get a lot of uh, veteran and, uh, elected officials, veteran city staff, because it's, it's just a good overall training on uh, pretty much all facets of city government. Uh, so that's something that, uh, again, we do every other year right after the city elections, I would strongly encourage any listeners to either attend yourself or invite your newly elected officials to join us in December. Uh, it's just a lot of people say it's an absolute must if you're new to city government in any fashion. Uh, so all of this information will be on our website, uh, iowaleague.org, along with the budget workshop, budget workshops, and uh, you can register online. You can get m- much more information on all these different training opportunities. We're also going to be sending out brochures and flyers to all the cities out there uh, over the coming weeks. So be Mickey, aware. Yes, go ahead. When you said that it was going to be on our website, I just got really excited. <laughs> I know. Not going to lie. <laughs> good, good segue, Katie. So let's come uh, we on. We are getting a new website. It is very, very much needed. And 
uh, league staff has been doing a ton of work on it and it's super close to being ready to launch. And I think everybody's going to love it. I'm excited. Yeah, this is uh, something that's been a labor of love. And honestly, uh, Katie from uh, Membership Services, Jess Vogel, Ryan Peeler, uh, Heather Roberts, there's uh, a few other staff. Eric, uh, I'm not even going to try to say your last name, Eric. I love you. <laughs> um, from our team. Uh, just And there's been some others, too, that just put in some incredible uh, amount of time into getting this new website ready to go. Anyone who's done a complete new website knows what we're talking about when we say that how much you have to do to get it right. But it's going to be worth it. We, it's been a long time, as Katie said, with our current version, and it's just time to go with a, a new and better website. I think our members are going to appreciate it quite a bit. I think the uh, structure of the website will be a lot easier to, to follow along with and find things. And I think we're, we're excited to have a few extra tools, newer tools in there for our members to use. Yes. So that is going to be out here really soon. By Maybe by the time we even post this podcast, we'll be <laughs> getting close to having yeah. that thing fully launched and, and available to the membership. So that's very exciting. Lots going on at the League yes, of Cities. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 we, never stop. we never stopped. Conference ended and we just <laughs> kept on moving. That's right. That's right. And then after all of that, we'll be getting uh, geared up for the next legislative session in January. So mm-hmm. uh, as always, we tell our listeners, make sure you follow us with Legislative Link, League Weekly, our new e- weekly e-newsletter, our new website that'll be ready here soon. Uh, stay engaged with us. A lot of great information. Uh that uh, you all need. So, Katie, for this episode, uh, we have a. Uh, this is one is one of our, I think, favorite things to do mm-hmm. at the League of Cities as staff, which is uh, do our awards each year at the conference. And we have various types of awards that recognize both cities that have done some great projects, but also individuals who have been uh, uh, role leader or, or uh, leaders in their communities. They they've been exemplary city officials locally. Uh, so we have a few individuals that we're going to have on our this podcast here to kind of talk about uh, what they do for their city, uh, the things that they believe in, and uh, some of the interesting things that they've experienced in their role at the city. So uh, yes, it, absolutely. It's, it's again, it's something that we do at, uh, at a, our awards banquet at the conference each year for folks who've attended our conference. I think everyone agrees that it's just a, a very enjoyable evening to recognize these folks and for all the hard work they've uh, done and the accomplishments for their communities. So who do we have first? All right. Yep. Our first award winner that we're going to talk to today is the winner of the Rhonda Woodsmith Award. And before we introduce the winner, I kind of wanted to give you a little background. The award was created to recognize exemplary work of young city officials Um, and those new to the city government world. Um, Just a little history, it was created in 1997 in memory of Rhonda Woodsmith, who was civic-minded, and she was a young woman, a single parent. Um, She worked as a municipal consultant and was elected mayor of Garner in November of 1993, and she served until January of 97, when she had to resign due to poor health and she later died of cancer. Um, To be eligible for this award, you have to be 40 or younger. So Mr. Shields, you are definitely out. (laughs) That's just, thank you. Thanks for reminding me of that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yep. You're older than me. 
So, yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to welcome the young Holly Berg. <laughs> she is the council member for the city of Ottumwa. So welcome, Holly. Thanks for having me. Yes. So Holly, can you tell us um, about your background, where you grew up and went to school and where you've worked? Yeah. So I grew up in Monmouth, Illinois, which is just about 30 miles uh, past Burlington, for those that don't know. So mm -hmm. uh, grew up there, but went to uh, college at University of Iowa, did undergrad and grad school there, and then haven't left Iowa since then. Uh, I worked at the University of Iowa Museum of Natural History, and then uh, moved down to Southeast Iowa and was the director at the American Gothic House uh, for several years and now serve as a uh, senior planner at Area 15 Regional Planning Commission. Wow, that's really cool. Very I did cool. not realize, so would that be Eldora? Eldon. Eldon, Eldon goodness yeah. gracious, I should know better. Yeah, yeah. I've been there, and my wife was actually just there this past summer, but yes, that, I didn't realize that was a part of your history, so that's cool. Yeah, it was a fun, fun time, but uh, and got to work with uh kind of regional tourism and now do even more of that uh through regional planning yeah absolutely well uh we have a great relationship with our cogs out there and they provide absolutely vital services for our communities around the state so thank you for doing that and thanks for everything uh your your uh plan through your planning work <laughs> knowing that uh it's such just absolutely critical uh, for a lot of those towns uh, so one thing about it's interesting that you've got this background and then eventually you've uh, made the run for city council. So what what uh, prompted you to run for office? I really uh, either have to give credit or blame uh, jokingly to <laughs> uh, my family growing up. My mom was actually a city council member uh, before I was born in a small town of Abingdon, Illinois. And uh, so just grew up with community service in mind. My grandparents had me in junior aux Legion Auxiliary uh, growing up, which I enjoyed except for the dresses. Uh, <laughs> but uh, So just always grew up serving, uh, doing community uh, activities, volunteering, uh, serving how I could. So uh, it's just something I grew up with uh, through high school was in all the clubs and kept going. And so, um, you know, especially after working in regional planning, seeing things in a different viewpoint uh, was kind of the last straw <laughs> or, you know, mm -hmm. it was something I had always thought about doing, but really felt like I understood budgeting. I understood how things work. I, you know, look at things long-term. And so, uh, yeah, just decided that it was the time to do it. That's great. That is very cool. Uh, so, okay, so you're, like we've said, you're with the city of Ottumwa. Can you tell us about a favorite project that you've gotten to work on while serving? It uh, probably won't be a surprise that my favorite thing uh, is our new comprehensive plan. Uh, so <laughs> as part of why I jumped in when I did was knowing it was time to start the next 20-year comprehensive plan for this oh listen you are like speaking mickey's language this is like music to his ears like he's i, he's, I promise you i mean there's nothing more exciting than a really good comp plan let's I be know, honest right? yeah and looking historically uh you know writing grants and looking at 
previous comprehensive plans of the community and seeing a lot of things that maybe didn't get done. Yeah. Uh, you know, the difficulty of comprehensive plan is making sure it doesn't stay on the shelf uh, and that it's reasonable, attainable with actionable items uh, that can be that can be done. And so uh, I really wanted to be a part of that. And uh, I think we were able to make something uh, with, with our new city administrator, Phil Rath, and other staff that really work to make sure that it's something that's doable um, mm -hmm. and really looks at our community as a whole. You know, we have over 67 spoken languages. It uh, creates, obviously, a difficulty in getting a lot of community input um, when you're a town of our size uh, with the resources we have. But, you know, we we're able to uh, run the draft plan by uh, the local LULAC group, League of United Latin American Citizens, mm -hmm. Atonements for Racial Justice, other community groups, and really made sure that the things passed what they um, what they thought made sense um, and make those kind of small curtailments to make it something that um, really is representative of our community and which I think is super important as the name of it is our Atumwa 2040. We mm -hmm. want to make sure it's for everyone's community um, and not just a few of us. Yeah, absolutely. It puts you on a spot. Is there anything particular in the comp plan that you like that's kind of near and dear to you? Well, uh, serving on the Arts Council in town, um, I think that's one thing we've already been able to put in more public sculptures uh, that really tie into the comprehensive plan. Uh, just really overall the quality of life and making sure that we understand uh, quality of life being the forefront of economic development and development in general and trying to just really push that I think is my favorite part. Um, you know, trying to look at things through newer perspectives and the things that matter to people today that maybe weren't the same way we thought of things 50 years ago. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I think just kind of that overall uh, tie in with community, looking at how the plan's not just things the city's going to accomplish, there's going to be uh, looking to our community, other community groups uh, to help us accomplish those things. And their input was included. So, you know, we all kind of have what will be our marching orders. <laughs> right. From here yeah. Out. Yeah. I, that's something that uh, I hope our listeners take this to heart because I, the, that's planning in, in any way, shape, or form is a good, a great idea. Comp plans can be very valuable beyond just a listing of projects and developments that you want to occur. It's, it's also trying to incorporate quality of life measures, which I, uh, I'm sure Kitty has heard me say this a lot over the years, that quality of life is is what we do in city government, and, and that's what can make your community stand out. Um, so one more thing we add, you know, it's interesting, your background, uh, you obviously grew up with a public service household and, and uh, following in those footsteps, and it's something that I think we've certainly had this conversation here at the league and our board and just you know, talking to other city officials, our members around the state, and that is some concern about how do we get people to serve, run for office, uh, work as a city clerk, uh, city manager. Um, there's a lot of concern out there. So what would be your advice for any younger person that's thinking about running for city council or some kind of you know city government job? 
first of all, I have to say that I'm excited that there's something that I can still feel, or I get to use the word young. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, hold on to that as long as you can. Yeah. 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 You and yeah. I are going to hold on to that. Uh, even the mayor asked me one day how old I was, and I told him 38, and that's wrong. I was only, I'm only 37. Uh, so <laughs> I apparently have just defaulted rounding up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even numbers are always easier. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, I was really excited to have something where I get to say the word young. Um, my husband was cracking up at that. So, <laughs> but uh, I think it's, you know, I have worked and talked to other people uh, who are my age or around my age on um, telling them, hey, you'd be great at being on the parks board or you'd be great at doing this. And, you know, I've really tried to work on making those connections and showing that it's doable. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I guess I would tell everyone uh, that they should do it. It's definitely rewarding it's not without its stress but um i think i think especially in many of our communities in iowa uh, with our size and population that it's really exciting that you can visually see the impact that you make um that you can be a big fish in a small pond and really be the change and that's exciting you know mm -hmm. i was still living when i lived in chicago or lived you know in larger communities it wouldn't be like that. So um, it's fun when a friend comes in, I point out, here's where this thing that we, you know, that we built, or here's mm -hmm. this artwork we decided to put in. And um, it's not something that everybody has the opportunity to do and have that impact. And I just think that's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's probably one of the things I say, say to folks that ask me, you know, or ask what do, what do city people do? I'm like, well, all sorts of things. But one of the greatest things is you you can see directly your work. Uh, you know, if it's a, a sidewalk repair project, a public art installation, uh, you can see that through all the way to the end. And, and the greatest thing, in my opinion, is you get to enjoy it with all of your fellow residents. You know, it's not just a a small group of people like at a company or something. I mean, it's the whole town gets to enjoy this thing whatever it is. And that's a pretty re rewarding experience. For sure. Well, Holly, thank you so much for joining us today on The Square. This has been a complete pleasure. And I don't know when your birthday is, but you will forever be 37 to me. All right, cool. Thank <laughs> you. I will hold on to that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Holly. And congratulations on the award. Thank you. All right, and uh, we're going to move on to the next couple of award winners, and we're going to talk about our League's Hall of Fame uh, inductees from this uh, 2021 uh, year. This is always one of our favorites to give away because it's typically a surprise. And uh, and I always cry, Mickey. I don't. I think literally every single year I've cried. Yeah, yeah. Wow. you can usually see some league staff and breaking up in tears because it is very meaningful to us and, of course, to the inductees that. For the league side of it, uh, it's a surprise. We try to do our best to make sure the recipient, whomever it is, is not aware. And we it can be a bit of a challenge to get that individual or individuals to our awards banquet at the conference without them picking up on what's going on. Uh, and this year was a little harder uh, for in some respects because we have Mayor John Lundell from Corville with us. And as many people know, Mayor Lindell has been on our board. He's been our president. Uh, been very active with the league, and 
uh, with the National League of Cities as well. So pulling one over on him was was presented uh, presented us a, a bit of an extra challenge this year. But uh, real quickly, we can say the Hall of Fame award was created to recognize individuals who provided extraordinary public service to the league and local government. And John Lundell uh, from Coralville, you've definitely done that. And I just want to say uh, we appreciate all your service to us and to the city of Coralville. Uh, and also, welcome to the square. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm doing great. And uh, I can't uh, thank you enough for the recognition that you, you gave me. Of course. So first of all, we really want to know, how did we do? Were you surprised with the Absolutely. Hall of Fame award? <laughs> you, you, that should have been very clear to anyone who was uh, in, in the uh, hall that, that evening. You know, um, I was dressed very casually because I... <laughs> felt like I had no role up at the Diaz, you know, the, yeah. the Diaz. The, uh, I was just uh, prepared to enjoy the evening and and, and recognize uh, the award winners that I knew were receiving awards. And and uh, uh, that turned out to be a, a huge surprise to me. And <laughs> that that afternoon, uh, we I'd been on a mobile walking workshop and it was very warm. And mm-hmm. so I went home and took a quick shower and my wife was home and I said to her, I'm going to go casual tonight. I might even wear shorts because we're going to go, we're going to go dance afterwards, you know, and, and she, oh, no, no, no. I don't think you should wear shorts. You know? <laughs> so anyhow, yes, it was a, a, a huge surprise. I thought that, um, you know, uh, two, three, no, not even, not even two, three or four or five years down the road when they ran out of other good candidates, they may, you know, <laughs> raise my name. Oh yeah. We never gave it to that Lundell guy. We could, we could, we could give him the awards, you know? So I was definitely not expecting it to happen uh, this year. Oh man. Well, so our listeners know, John says he's underdressed. Yeah. I thought he was perfectly dressed in a Hawkeye polo. Very fitting <laughs> yeah, for, our, okay. for where we're at. We were at this year in Coralville. Uh, and of course, you know, some of you may know out there that I'm a Hawk fan. The diehard at that, so that I thought I thought I thought it looked great. Yeah, and it was so nice how you you uh, uh, sneaked in uh, uh, my family, my wife, my two yes. kids were there, and and of course the entire city council. And as we were, you know, as I was walking up to the stage, uh, one of my council members said, "You want to borrow my sport coat?" <laughs> <laughs> See, it's all about the team, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is funny. Uh, John, tell us about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school, and where you've worked. Oh, gosh. Uh, how long is this podcast? Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll hit the highlights. Um, well, I'm a native Iowan. I uh, grew up in Fort Dodge, went to um, St. Edmunds High School, go Gales, and um, am a family of diehard uh, Hawks, uh, University of Iowa. My, I'm a third generation myself. My dad and my grandpa graduated. Um, and uh, all my uncles, my siblings are all Hawkeyes. So needless to say, when, wow. it came time, when it came to apply, this was the only school here in, in Iowa City that I applied to. And um, so I started down here, graduated from high school in 73. So in the fall of, fall of that year, I started as a freshman and had a good experience. Uh, went straight through uh, receiving a Bachelor of Science and then stayed in school and then received a master's. Uh, both from the de- Department of Geography in um, urban transportation, so basically transportation mm-hmm. planning, and uh, wrapped up that master's in 78 and uh, was started, needed to find a job. And, and uh, I remember I, I finished the comprehensive exam for the, for the degree on Friday, 
pat they told me right on the spot that i had passed so saturday was party day partied hard on saturday Sun, sunday i got cleaned up and flew to my first job interview in parkersburg west virginia and wow. uh interviewed for a uh, assistant transportation planning job with the council of governments a, a 10 county region uh, also it's the um, parkersburg is a metropolitan area so it was also a metropolitan planning organization mm -hmm. both in the same agency so doing transportation both urban and rural out there and and by the end of the uh, end of the day of interviews they also offered me the job and i thought gosh you know uh, I, I loved Iowa, and, and, uh, but wanted to see other places in this great country, and I thought West Virginia would be a good experience. So I, I accepted that job, and it started in the fall then of 78 uh, out, in, out in West Virginia, and um, it was a great experience. It's a different cultural area than, than the Midwest, for sure, but it, was a, it was a, uh, worked with wonderful people. I was blessed to have an executive director of the agency that was such a wonderful mentor, um, just the kind of guy that was very smart and savvy, but he never forgot to thank people. And that was something that always impressed me is that you, you, you never, you never uh, uh, leave a meeting or you never f uh, forget to follow up to a meeting by sending a thank you note or something. And, and sure. it, it really makes a good impression. So anyhow, uh, so I enjoyed my experience out there met this woman named Diana. She was a newspaper reporter for the newspaper. She had just graduated from Ohio University in Athens, and mm -hmm. her first job out of college was for the newspaper, and that's that's how we met, and she ended up, you know, a couple of years later becoming my wife, so that was a nice uh, bonus, but uh, <laughs> Uh, it wasn't only about uh, after about a year and a half of working there, I saw the job announcement for the director of transportation planning for back in Johnson County, Iowa. So here in Iowa City, and um, I almost didn't apply because I didn't think I had enough experience to to be uh, chosen over others that would want to work in, in this great area. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I decided that, you know, the only thing for sure is you won't get it if you don't try. So I submitted at the last minute, submitted an application and. After a couple trips back for interviews, I was offered the job as director of transportation planning for the, uh, it was then called the Johnson County Council of Governments, uh, JC Cog. And um, that was the, uh, in February 1st of 1980. And they knew, this area knew that this, uh, they were going to go over the 50,000 population mark. So they too would become a metropolitan area, uh, which would trigger uh, uh, different uh, type of transportation planning uh, for the transit and uh, highway street and highway system. So I had those skills I was able to bring with me that I'd learned in, in Parkersburg. So it was a good experience and, and that became my career from 80 to 86, six years. I, I did that in transportation planning. And then one morning I was Wednesday morning in my office, the phone rang and it was then Iowa City Mayor John McDonald, a mm -hmm. great gentleman. Um, we lost him way too soon. He's passed. But anyway, Mayor McDonald um, called me and said that, John, uh, after the Iowa City Council meeting last night, the, we went out for a couple beers and we had, they had just learned that the transit director for Iowa City Transit had announced he was moving to California. So he says, after a couple of beers, we decided we'd want, we would like you to be our next transit director. So uh, give that some thought. I thought, gosh, you know, <laughs> if, if, if I'm going to be the, uh, if I'm going to be the, uh, have the support of the of the city council. It's an opportunity I probably shouldn't pass up. So I, uh, uh, I, I applied and not surprisingly was appointed transit director and and um, it was a it was a promotion. I went from what a division head to a department head. So that was a nice progression in my career path. Mm -hmm. And so that was my transit uh, management uh, 
portion of my my life. Let's see, that was from 86 to 92. And um, uh, again, a good experience. Uh, it, was a, it was a great uh, experience in labor management. That was where I'd, I'd never supervised that many employees. So there was, I don't know, over 50 bus drivers and then plus the mechanics and other supervisors. And sure. um, it and it was in a in a in a strong organized labor environment. I'd never worked either as an employee or certainly not as a supervisor in a collective bargaining uh, agreement yeah. environment. And that was that was a learning experience too, oh, but yeah. one that uh, you know uh, I I probably wouldn't go back and do again. That that much supervision. I I'm too nice a guy. You got to be a tough guy <laughs> sometimes to be a boss. But, but anyhow, um, so but by then you know my Diana and I had been married. We had a couple of kids and we were and actually she was actually on the Corville city council by then we can talk about that later but um anyway our roots were pretty firmly established in this Corville community by then so i was really looking to move on to something different but i wasn't interested in moving to another city or state so i just quietly waited till you know see what opportunities came up and i, I saw this uh, advertisement in the it was then the college of medicine soon to become uh, the college of public health as a as a, a researcher in a, in a center that was dedicated to preventing injuries in people, whether it's preventing car crashes or falls in the elderly or suicides, uh, all, all the different type of injuries that, that, uh, that harm and, and take a person's lives. So um, again, I wasn't sure I had the right experience, but you never know. And so again, I was fortunate once one, one more time to apply and after a couple of interviews, uh, get that job. And that was, I, I can't say how much I enjoyed that. I was, I stayed in the college of public health and went on to be the assistant director of the, of the research center for 22 years. And, um, just wonderful, um, wonderful, uh, uh, profession in terms of really felt like you were doing a lot of good, trying to, you know, keep people safe, wonderful people to work with, um, really enjoyed it. Um, but then, um, again, I went on, um, through a career in, in, on the city council, and then I became mayor. Uh, and once I became mayor, I realized that the time commitments were so much greater doing that that I couldn't be a good, a good researcher and mayor at the same time. So I re, I retired at the young age of I think it was sixty two or sixty three. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good segue. How did you or what was the decision like to get involved with city government? I know you've mentioned your wife, Diana. Uh, serve. So how did that all kind of come together? Yeah, uh, good question. Well, I guess the, the base was laid by my my initial career in the, in the planning field, because uh, both in, in Parkersburg and certainly back here in the Iowa City Corville area, I worked very closely uh, with the policy boards and that being the, the mayors and city councils of the local government. So I I had uh, firsthand knowledge of, of working with those elected officials and, and, and always enjoyed it. Um, got along really well with the Coralville mayor. I had bought a house in Coralville, so I was, we were residents here, and and um, and so that's you know he opened several doors. He I was down talking to him one day, and he up walked the the, the fire chief and and uh, said hello and introduced me to the fire chief, and that was it. And the next day, the chief called me and said, "You look like you'd be a good firefighter." So that, that I was a firefighter for many years and mm -hmm. got involved in the city that way, and then. The mayor appointed me to the library board, and I did that for 20 years in Coralville and got great experience working with the library board. Um, but um, anyhow, so got married to Diana. Um, her first, she was a school board 
report, education beat reporter for the Iowa City Press Citizen, hence attended all the school board meetings of the Iowa City School District. And it was recommended that she run for elected office uh, as a school board member, and which she did. We, you know, she was, wasn't sure about it, but she did and did really well, but came in second. And um, mm-hmm. But uh, that was sort of our, both of ours first taste of dipping our toes into the, elect, the actual elected uh, field. Yeah. And, and uh, so she went on to, to serve on the Parks and Rec Commission in Coralville, but then was appointed to the Coralville City Council. So she was on the council for 15 years right. uh, back yeah. when you were working in City Hall, Mickey. And That's right, yeah. you probably remember Diana, so with her 15 oh, yeah. years, and many of those were mayor pro tem. So that, you know, obviously her experience rubbed off on me. Um, you know, we would we would talk a lot about what was going on, and I would be at her side for a lot of functions that she was at as a council member and so forth. So that really got me interested. And then in uh, 2003, uh, rep, uh, now Representative Dave Jacoby uh, from the House mm-hmm. of Representatives mm-hmm. was, then, was then on the city council. And Dave... Dave uh, resigned from the council to run successfully for a seat, an unexpired seat in the house, which he still holds today. So that opened up the seat on the Corville City Council. And I thought, gosh, Diana had just stopped, stepped off uh, about a year and a half previously. So there wasn't a Lundell actually on the on the council at the time. So I, I said, well, let's fix that. And uh, <laughs> we uh, can't go too I, long without a Lundell. That's right. And so I was. Uh, elected in the fall of 2003 to my first term uh, on the city council. Right. Yes, I remember that well. That's uh, that's an incredible service. It's, it's also interesting because our first guest was Holly Berg, uh, who won the Rhonda Wood Smith, Smith Award, and she also uh, has a COG background. Uh, so it's just, it's very interesting to see elected officials that have public service mentality and ultimately you know, running to represent your fellow citizens on the council and, and serving in that capacity. So that's, that's a, it's, it's great to see that because a lot of times folks that serve do not have a, any kind of local government background and, and we need them too, of course. We need a, a wide representation of all communities uh, to make it work. Uh, but it, it, often, it often helps that somebody has at least some knowledge of how this whole thing is supposed to work, uh, which you certainly brought to the table. So one yeah, thing that uh, we wanted to ask too is just this is going to be tough. We're going to put you on the spot, but maybe you could share a favorite memory uh, uh, from your days as mayor or council with Coralville, or a uh, favorite project, a program, something like that. Maybe something stands out. Oh yeah, you are putting me on the spot because <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, there have been so many of them. To be be honest with you, you know, and which, which one rises to the top? Um, you know, it. It'd be it's hard to it'd be hard for me to pick out a, a specific event because there was you know which one is the best but I, I you know I've got I guess I have maybe three responses in my head about about that um, first of all is is the uh, just the incredible response by the city of Coralville and its residents and businesses to the to the horrific floods of 2008 um, you know all of all of Iowa uh, was was hit that year, and, and Coralville was was really um, severely uh, harmed by the flood. And but the, to see the turnout by the again by the residents uh, at, during the immediate flood itself, while it was going on, that the, you know just long hours sandbagging and and just yeah. in hot muggy weather, and and it was just so impressive. And, and I know it not only that, that that happened not only in Coralville but all over in communities. But you know I saw it firsthand here, and, and um, just 
incredible the amount of, of work that, and volunteer time that was put in. But then um, uh, following up on, on the immediate work during the flood itself was the incredible quick response by, um, by the, the city staff and, and other uh, engineering firms that we hired to like during the flood itself and immediately after to quickly take, um, take uh, engineering, uh, collect da data on the, on the levels of the river and, and where it was flooding based on how much of the outflow from the reservoir and so forth, very quickly turn the information that they collected into uh, uh, the, uh, the plans, the protection plans to, right. to set up a system that would make, ensure that this type of damage would never happen again. And you know they, they came up with those plans in just a, a short time, matter of just a few months, and then just as quickly they were able to identify funding sources. Just amazing, um, uh, from state state funding to uh, a tremendous amount of federal funding and even some um, private sector uh, funding as well. And so within just a, a year or less, we were starting on our mitigation uh, plan for the entire city, and and um, we never let up until all the components were finished and. It, it, it's just a, it's a great story of, of a community pulling together during the flood itself and then quickly, um, you know, re, re responding to the disaster with a, you know, with a protected city. So so that I, that really makes me feel good. There are so many good stories built into that. But um, on perhaps, you know, on a more fun, you know, instead of talking about disasters, on more f uh, fun perspective, mm -hmm. I think back of. Corville is known for its festivals, you know, whether it's Fourth Fest, Fry Fest, Winter Fest, Burr Fest, uh, Fifth Street Social is a new new one we've had the last few years, um, and seeing the enjoyment that it brings to the community. We always have huge turnout of folks that, that just really enjoy the, the city and appreciate what we're doing and, and just know how to have fun. And of course, none of those festivals would not be possible without tremendous number of volunteers helping out and a lot of financial support from the local business community. And, and Coralville just knows how to, how to enjoy and have a good time. And, and that's something that I'm sure will continue and I will look forward to participating. And then finally, um, I, I probably can't, can't uh, not mention the, the many, many ribbon cuttings and grand openings, particularly in, in the Iowa River landing, because that, that was such a, uh, the, that district is such a, a benchmark change for our community to the you know, positive change and you know the the openings of of the of the hospitals and clinics complex to the to the hotel to the von mauer department store trader joe's and then most recently the uh, extreme arena and green state family field house mm -hmm. um you know that's that's an incredible accomplishment and that was each one of those was a great memory so yeah there's a lot to choose from but i guess those would be my highlights yeah those are some good highlights. I didn't realize that Coralville had so many festivals. I need to get over there for some yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, we. It's amazing, and it you know it. I, I worry sometimes about stressing out the the community because it does take you know volunteer committees to do yeah. all this, and, and and we also I mean every festival does require law an extra level of law enforcement sure. for traffic control and so mm -hmm. forth and so on. But um, you know, you, you sign up for it, you know, to come work for Corvo and live in Corvo, you know what you're getting. We're, we like to, we like to party. <laughs> <laughs> That's always great. Yes. And I will say we were over in the Iowa river landing area for a conference this year and it is beautiful. It is, oh, thank you. it really is so cool. Oh, and yeah. the extreme arena was super neat. If, our listeners ever have a chance to get over there, I would highly recommend it. I, so, I would love to, I would love to show it off. 
you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I could go on and on about that, but, uh, yeah, it is truly a magnificent place. And our members, uh, the attendees at our conference just all had wonderful things to say about their experience there, uh, in September. Just, it's such a perfectly well, uh, planned out area, walkable, you park your car and you can do literally leave it there for several days and never need it you know, so many shops and places to go and the arena now kind of caps it off up to just a great place to host all kinds of events yeah well so that's I, this is a tribute to everything you guys have been doing yeah well I, I appreciate all your comments it really makes you feel good and that's you know that's one of the things that warms my heart more than anything is is either someone who has has been here before but hasn't visited for for many many years and to come and see the you know, they're, they're just shock and impressions of, of the river landing. And, but even people who have never been here before that can't believe how nicely planned and, and developed this area is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's, it's been a lesson in patience. It, it started back in the, <laughs> in the eighties and there, I can't tell you how many major projects I was a part of that, you know, we danced with partners for two years only to have it fizzle out, you know, right. and that's just, that comes with a big, development uh, like we have with the river landing but eventually you get it right and you get the right partners and thinking back some of those that fizzled out I'm, I'm now in retrospect i'm glad they did because what we have is better than what we started with so yeah yeah one of the things i often tell people is that uh, government moves slow and that's actually on purpose mm-hmm. it needs to move slow to so make sure you make the right choice and you protect those taxpayer dollars and taxpayer investments uh, but it can be frustrating and that's one of the things where you need really strong leadership. And John, that is, I think you, you are the epitome of a, a strong leader. And both for your city, uh, your work on the board, uh, as a board member, board president. Uh, so one thing we wanted to ask too was what kind of advice you may have for those that are in a leadership role in their city. Oh, gosh. Um, well, you know, there's there's the obvious ones that, that, that people should know already, you know, the, the ones of being a good listener, being thoughtful, um, you know, uh, but beyond, beyond the, the, the obvious ones, I, you know, I guess I would, one thing I always tell uh, newly elected officials that, that I run into in Corville and, and others is um, just never forget that there's two sides of every story. Um, you know, I can recall when I was very first elected to the city council, uh, you know, believe it or not, it doesn't happen that often, but once in a while you get a constituent uh, that that's pretty, upset that uh, <laughs> they feel like they were wrong by something the city did or didn't do. And, and so I'd get a phone call and I'd let them uh, describe what, 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 what the situation was from their perspective. And I was, you know, my, my jaw dropped. Oh, what? I can't believe the city did that. Oh, we've got to make this right. You know, I, I'm really sorry. And, and boy, don't, don't worry. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Well, of course, then I would then um, hang up and, and do my due diligence and go down to city hall and, start with the city administrator and, and follow up through the appropriate department head. And, you know, in almost every case, I would learn that uh, I didn't quite hear the full, full sides of the story when the, when the person right. called me on the phone. And, and um, so just, just uh, keep an open mind until you, until you get all the facts and then you can decide what the appropriate action to take and so forth. So that, that, that's some good advice. Um, something else that I, I, I tell my counsel and um, you know it's it's so it's so appropriate for for Coralville being so close to the Iowa City area, um, and that is re- remember the, that you're elected to um, represent the in, in our case the city of Coralville. Um, you know do what's best for Coralville, 
don't don't try and and mimic what other neighboring communities are doing. You know, it may not be appropriate for Coralville. Mm-hmm. Um, people people can choose to live in those adjoining cities, or they can choose to live in Coralville, and and a lot of them do based on what what the direction that Coralville is taking. And um, <clears throat> I, I cringe when I hear someone say, "Well, in in our case, well, Iowa City did this, so we should do it too." Well. Maybe yes, maybe no, but just mm-hmm. just uh, take a pause and think about th- is this what's appropriate and the best action to take on behalf of your city, in, in this case, Coralville. Um, so that's some good advice as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And I will say you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about your former boss who was your maybe a mentor to you mm-hmm. that you you are extremely well at thanking people as well. And I think that is uh, very much shown in your leadership. You are one of a kind. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> and oh, thank you. as I don't know if our listeners know, but you are retiring and we would like to know what you're going to do in your retirement. Ah, uh, well, uh, I'm going to miss being a, a mayor and a council member. That's for sure. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I intend to stay quite involved in, in city activities and, you know, the, my, my colleagues in City Hall, starting with Kelly Hayworth, our administrator, um, uh, are best friends. Kelly is literally my best friend, and, and we do so much together outside of city activities, and we have fun together. And we, we our families have vacationed together for over 20 years, I think. We go for a week up at the Great Lakes area. And, um, and it's funny, we turn off. When we go on those vacations, we turn off city business. We have fun, and it's like we don't even work together. And so I'm going to enjoy continuing to do that, and I'll continue to have lunches with folks. But um, outside of that, I, I do have a, a, a couple things I'm really excited about, um, and they're both they're seasonal. Uh, in the in the summer seasons, the warm seasons. A, a year ago, Diana and I had an opportunity to um, purchase a, a modest uh, summer cottage up on Big Spirit Lake. And mm-hmm. as a kid growing up in Fort Dodge, my dad was a realtor, and he would take three weeks in a row off on vacation in the summer and we would rent the same cottage for that, uh, those three weeks. And, and, yeah. uh, we were just, uh, it was just a divine intervention that a year ago we became aware of a, an estate sale, like a day before it went on the market of a cottage. That's just a few doors down from where we vacationed as a kid. And so we were wow. able to, how cool. I, yeah. We were able to purchase that. And, um, we spent, you know, this past summer up there a, a great deal, but a lot of commuting back and forth, it's Coralville because of, uh, you know, city business and city sure. council meetings. So next summer we can go up there and, you know, we'll still keep our home in Coralville and, and still come back here during the summer every so often, but we don't have, we won't have the, the rigid schedule that we had. So I'm looking forward to summers up there more, more so, but then um, actually I'm in training right now. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, was my first day of training for my, my new winter career. And, uh, that is, as you know, Mickey and maybe Katie, you too. The um, uh, Coralville is getting a new professional hockey team, the yes. I- I- Iowa Heartlanders, uh, part of the ECHL league. And as a matter of fact, their first uh, game uh, in Carver in uh, Extreme Arena is a week from this Friday. Oh. Anyhow, so um, with that sheet of ice comes the need for a Zamboni driver. So I am. <laughs> I am in training for to be the uh, for the season long the Iowa Heartlanders Zamboni driver. So. Oh, nice. 
yeah. It's 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 crazy, but um, they're they're gonna. I'm gonna enjoy it because uh, there'll oh, yeah. be a lot of my friends in 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 the in the audience, you know, watching the, the hockey game. That'll be fun, and yeah. and they're gonna have fun with it. I'll have a jersey, and it's gonna say Mary John on the back, and and, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna have some fun with it. So I'm. Uh, it, but I tell you, you know, yesterday was my first day out on the ice uh, driving that thing. And I, you got to pay attention. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like, you know, having a riding lawnmower or something, yeah. you know, you're, you're on ice to begin with. So it's very slippery and you got to, you know, maintain your speed in the corner, all this stuff. But there's all wow. sorts of uh, controls of cutting the ice and, and dispensing the water. And, and yeah, it's, it's a, uh, but It'll all it'll all uh, come naturally eventually. I'm yeah. sure. So I I invite both of you to come over to a Heartlanders game. I'll get you oh, a yeah. couple free tickets if you'd like, and oh, and man. you can uh, uh, you know harass me during the interview. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I've already promised my son we're going to a game and we're definitely gonna make it to a couple. That's uh, that, that's very exciting for you all, and I cannot wait to see you on. The no, case. I can't either. That's great. Yeah, it, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. That, yes. That's what life is all about, having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you you certainly do that. You're, you model the way uh, for all of us. And uh, I think, real, I just want to say on behalf of the league staff, we thank you for everything you've done for us. You, you've been a great leader for our entire team and the, the, the association, all of our membership. Uh, and you will be missed in this capacity, but I know we'll see each other plenty down the road. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, right back at you and, and your colleagues at the league. I mean, you're such an invaluable resource. I mean, you can get so much out of the League of Cities and, and, and you do so much good for governments across the state through the legislative leadership and so forth. Um, you know, it's, it's an incredible organization. Thank you. Thank you. We tried. <laughs> well, that would, this has been so much fun. This is uh, seriously, uh, I mean, on a personal level, I've, I've known John for a long time. Uh, just like I could, we could shoot the breeze for a long time, all morning, <laughs> but yeah. we better close it out. Some, <laughs> some of our listeners may be thinking, okay, that's enough of, enough of this one, but we appreciate you taking the time uh, for everything and for everything you've done. Sure. My pleasure. All right, next we are going to welcome Joe Hayek, the president and CEO of G-Works. Um, G-Works is one of the league's community alliance partners. Welcome to the square, Joe. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yes. Um, we just want to kind of start with hearing a little about your background. Where? Why don't you share with our listeners where you grew up and went to school and how you got started in this field? Sure, happy to. I, I grew up in a big family in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, for my undergrad, I went to the uh, University of Notre Dame, where I studied history and Arabic. Uh, reason being, I was 9-11 occurred while I was there. So uh, I decided I was going to join up. And so I ended up joining up and did uh, intelligence in the Navy. I specialized in special warfare intelligence. So if you ask me what shipboard life is like or what it's like to be out at sea, I have no idea. Because most of my focus was on counterinsurgency and stability. So... I deployed with the SEALs to Iraq and Afghanistan. So if you want to know what the desert's like or the mountains are like, I can I can talk about that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but after eight years of that, I, I, I left the Navy and went to Harvard Business School to uh, earn my MBA. And I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't, I didn't really want to work for someone else. The Navy, especially special warfare, was very entrepreneurial. And I love that. And I'm somewhat risk tolerant. So I, when I left business school... 
I, I kind of struck out to find an existing business that maybe somebody wanted to sell instead of just starting one from scratch. Coming out of the military, I didn't have a lot of business ideas. And so over time, I, I looked at a lot of companies. I eventually met a gentleman in Lincoln, Nebraska, who had a small GIS consulting company and worked with counties and state and a bunch of other entities and ended up buying it from him, raised some money and, and bought the company. That was at the beginning of 2015. And that was called GIS Workshop then. It had 120 clients. Most of them were counties. And from then, the company's really evolved to where it is now, to where it's G-Works and where we do a lot more than that. And we have a lot more clients, a lot of city clients. And when I got into this, you know, I, I came in and I was taken with it right away because it was service. My, my background was service. And now I got to serve people who are dedicating their lives to service. I just took to it right away. Sure. I remember what it was like being on their side, working with vendors to, to get the right solutions to do my job. And so I, I came in having, always having, I thought the customer perspective, because I lived that world, you know, it was the military, but it was still government. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's great. I think the thing I love about my job is I wake up every morning and, you know, it's, we're helping, we, I, we talk a lot about in our office, we help those and serve those who serve everybody. So it's, it's, it's not hard to motivate people to come into work every day and to do our best. Yeah. Well, that's a. Uh... Very interesting background. I've heard some of that before. That's pretty cool how you got all started. And I remember uh, GIS, workshop, GIS Workshop uh, and what you guys did. And then, of course, the company's evolved, as you said. So what if you could describe a little bit more about what sort of uh, solutions you do for cities and local government? It's really better to make it ask what we don't do. Uh, we, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> We, we, we think of ourselves as the local government operating system. You know, we work only with small local governments, so small cities, rural counties, special districts, small public utilities. And, and we really touch pretty much everything, you know, a city needs to do to leverage technology to run their operations. So that's fund accounting, that's payroll, that's utility billing, permitting, licensing, cemetery management, court management, GIS, asset management within public works. And then there's citizen engagement side, which is websites, online payments, uh, online utility access for people so they can submit requests, 311 uh, citizen requesting, agendas and minutes management, and forms management, and online form submission, and on and on. Really what we just don't do, uh, to come back full circle on that, is we don't really do anything in the public safety space, and, and we don't do what's called CAMA, which assessors use in, in the counties for mass appraisal. We don't. We integrate with those those people, but uh, we don't we don't do that either. So that's pretty much just the two things we don't do. Yeah, man, it's incredible. I remember you and I having a conversation several years ago, and I think I said something to the effect of what what I talk to a lot of our city folks. They just want one one thing that they open up on their computer that just runs the whole universe. You know, the mm -hmm. accounting, the software, the payroll, the uh, online transactions not to mention the things like GIS and asset management. Uh, so it, it's crazy to think about here we are, and you basically have got that thing out there. We are laser focused on that. And, and as, as, as you all know, we're working on modernizing everything. So in a way we're disrupting ourselves to help our, our clients and our market where we're bringing everything into a tightly integrated cloud platform to where it does exactly that. Everything talks to each other. It's a lot of it's automated. 
because, you know, our clients, they're lean and, and they wear a lot of hats and we want to remove friction in their life, not cause it. And so that's what we're working towards. So, you know, front desk was the first phase of that earlier this year. We're almost to beta. Uh, I'm very, really excited on our HR hub, which is our next cloud release. And that's payroll and time tracking and, and some HR tools. Uh, and then after that, it's going to be utility billing cloud and, and, and we're going to get everything out over the next year. And it's going to, yeah, it's going to be exactly that a tightly wow. integrated platform where everything just talks across to each other. I'm very, as you can tell, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Well, you should be. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, that's uh, one of the things we want to talk to you too, because uh, you've, you've kind of been known and you gave a presentation here recently in our conference about uh, you know, trying to find ways to be more efficient and um, managing everything you have to manage. So what are, you know, given your expert, expertise, given your background, what are some, some uh, suggestions that you may have for our listeners on uh, ways that cities can be more efficient and how they get the job done? Sure. And I, I've always been part of scrappy teams that have had to do a lot with little, you know, from special warfare to, to now. And there is the, the biggest thing that ups, upsets everyone is what's called unplanned work, which is things you're not anticipating coming up in your day that prevents you from doing what you need to do. And that ends up causing all sorts of anxiety and stress for people. And we've been very mindful of that in my office of dealing with that. It, there's no panacea. You can't get rid of it. But there are things you can do across the board that can really attack that. So you can be a lot more efficient, effective with a small team. So one thing, you know, citizens cause a lot of unplanned work for cities. You know, that's who you serve, but you want everything to go well. If everything's going well, you shouldn't hear from your citizens a lot. Right. Right. But people do. And so that that is by its nature unplanned work. So one of the things that you know, cities can do to help themselves is what self-service options can I provide to my citizens? If you provide self-service options, that reduces walk-ins and reduces phone calls and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So just a few examples of that. The simplest one is, and we don't see this a lot, or if we see it, we see it poorly done is just having a frequently asked questions, an FAQ page on your website, but have it where it's accessible. It's easy to find and, and make sure the FAQ answers the most common questions or things that you get from your citizens. So a common question might be when's trash pickup, if you get a lot of calls about that, that should be one of your questions in your FAQ and make it easy to find. You know, online payment options, online form submission options. This allows people to, at their convenience, pay bills, submit forms, do all sorts of things. And, and so it's not them coming into your office. It's not them calling in, right? It's them doing it at their convenience. They're self-serving. You're providing those options as the city. That helps a lot too. And just making information publicly available that's easily accessible. You can do that through your website. We have a, we see this a lot on the county side, you know, counties are very big on making information publicly, publicly accessible. And so a lot of our work on our county side focuses around that. And we see counties that focus on making different types of information available to their public that can be accessed online through a website. They see their customer service calls drop on an average of like 60%. That's what we've documented over time. Imagine all that yeah. time that is now freed up for those different county offices that can be replicated in a city. The tough time is just someone's got to 
put the tent pole down, Mickey, and say, we're going to do this and, and really kind of put the leadership and the onus behind it to make it happen. And that can be a leader, certainly, but that can also just be anyone within a city. That person just needs to be empowered by their leadership to then march forward with it. Um, so self-service options is one. The second one I would say is big one is just thinking about how you're spending your time. Again, I, I'm, I'm taking examples from things I've done throughout my career. One is time boxing. So plan your time, plan for unplanned work. You can do that. We know when we're going to see spikes in, in customer service calls. We know when we're going to see spikes in things related that might cause us to turn our attention elsewhere here in our office. And so we time box around that. So for example, Friday afternoons, we don't get a lot of phone calls in the office, right? So we, as a rule in our office, people have to get one to two hours of training every week. That's done on Friday afternoons because we know we, we've time boxed for it. We know it's not going to disrupt our ability to serve our clients. The other thing I would say is create lanes. And, and again, a lead organization can do this. You know, one lane road, you're going to have cars coming at each other and eventually someone's going to win or everyone's going to get in a car wreck, right? Well, so often people have single lanes in an organization. They have someone who's responsible for all the outgoing kind of proactive work, but then also they're responsible for all the unplanned reactive work, right? If you're reacting to something, that's a different type of work mechanism than if you're proactive and putting something out into the world. Well, something's going to win out. And whatever wins out, the other thing's going to suffer. Or if they crash, they both suffer. So create a lane. Create a lane that's just for inbound work. Create a lane that's just for outbound work. Again, as an example, in our office, we have teams that are dedicated just to support. They don't do anything other than support. We have other teams that are dedicated just to software development or just to projects or, or whatever, so that they are focused on a key thing that's a lane. And so the lanes don't ever, you know, as we all learned in Ghostbusters, you don't cross the streams, right? So <laughs> the, the lanes don't cross. And because of that, people are able to be more effective and efficient with their time. We, um, I gave this as an example at the conference where uh, you know, a couple of, a few years ago now, geez, it's a few years ago now when we acquired data technologies, mm -hmm. they had one team that did both support and projects. And as a result, they were frankly ineffective at both projects were late. They were over budget clients were unhappy. The ticket queue. So the documenting all the tickets coming in on any given day was over 500 tickets. That is incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just way too much. An average resolution time was 38 business hours, which means basically one week. That team has not changed much. We divided the teams, one into a project team, one into a support team. Okay, we created the lanes. Then we started time boxing after we started watching data and, and we trained around how to, you know, we trained about how to handle customer service and stuff like that properly. But over time, with basically the same team, we haven't had much change on the team over the years other than some folks who, who retired. Our average ticket queue now is in the 60s and our average resolution time is now between four and five hours. So instead of submitting a ticket on Monday morning and getting it done by Friday afternoon, now if you submit a ticket on Monday morning, you should have it resolved before lunch. It's, we've done that mostly with the same team. We did it by creating lanes. We did it by time boxing. Those were the two big mechanisms that we did 
And then the third thing we did to help that is we leveraged technology. So we brought on a platform that ingested everything that came into our office so we could track it, document it, and had that visibility just for us and for our clients. And so that's really the third thing is leverage technology appropriately. Uh, it's very easy to get technology happy and buy more than what you need. So you really got to think about the problem you're solving and how technology can solve that for you. And if I may just add one more thing about technology, which is, you know, our company over the last three years has grown quite a bit, but our headcount has not. And we love data here because we're a technology company. We quantify what we can quantify and our service levels have only improved during that time. And, you know, and our project has improved too. So onboarding a new city in the old days took nine to 12 months. We can now do it in under 90 days. Again, mostly wow. the same team, but we're leveraging technology. So we automate what we can automate. We make more self-service options available that we can. And that's where technology can have its effect, but we embraced it. And this is where I see so many people get tripped up now. And back in the old, and in, in when I was in the Navy and things like that is we identify, we have a problem. We recognize that a software can solve that problem. We implement that software, but we don't re redesign our workflow to make sure we maximize the benefit out of that software, right? We try to bend that software to our own work, old workflow that was causing us pain in the first place. And now we've just doubled our pain. And so, you know, if you want, if you're going to embrace technology, the key thing then is you kind of have to understand the impact it's going to have on your organization and to maximize that benefit, everybody, you got to think about how does my workflow need to change? So I maximize the benefit. So the way we handle things now in the office versus three years ago, is totally different through a process of continuous improvement and really embracing technology for what it can bring to us. That was a long walk around the barn, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I was responsive to your question. Oh, absolutely. That, I think I, I, I mean, I want to take a transcript of what you just said and like post it in city halls all across the state. Like this is, this is great advice. <laughs> There's a lot of simple things that can be done. And then there are big things, you know, I would say start small mm -hmm. uh, and then progressively kind of move up the value chain on, on leveraging things that can really help you be more effective. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's uh, again, I just, this is so cool to see you guys evolving the way you have and continue to uh, in offering these solutions for our membership, because that's, again, we talked about this years ago about that, that the dream is to having this like system that all talks to each other and minimizes some of those uh, workaround issues that we have with different types of software and all that. Uh, so it's, it's really enjoyable. Uh, and I know you guys are doing a great job. So keep it up. Thank you. Doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, our next guest, I'm very excited to announce. He is also our newest Hall of Fame award winner, Decker Plain, who's the city administrator for the city of Bettendorf. Welcome to the square. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I really appreciate this. Yes. <laughs> Look at you already sound like you're super calm. I can't wait for this. <laughs> Ser serenity now. <laughs> 
All right. Before we begin, I want to fill our listeners in. Um, if you weren't at our annual conference, Decker not only won the Hall of Fame award, but I think he also might have won the award for the most guests who's ever come to celebrate with him, oh, which yeah. it was super duper cool to see. And it speaks volumes for the relationships that he has with his staff and family and friends. Decker, with that many guests coming, did you have any idea that you were winning the award? I did not. Um, I had a slight inkling that something was different. Uh, Scott Nauman's wife, Shelly, uh, was at the bar when we walked, not the bar, but um, uh, there was a, a bar area out front of the um, uh, reception hall. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, what, what is Shelly doing here? <laughs> but then Scott's a past chairman or past president, so I, I didn't think that much of it. Um, but then when I, we sat down at our table and one of my council members who had not been at the conference was there and he normally doesn't wear a suit. Um, I said, well, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, I came up for this thing because you told me I had to make an appearance and I couldn't get off work. And I never, I always listened to you. I wore a white shirt just for you because he was wearing a suit and tie and he doesn't normally wear a coat and tie. But, but I didn't, it didn't, you know, I just kind of, my antenna went up, but, but right. that was it. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for a while and that was an incredible turnout and uh, just a lot of fun for, for league staff and everyone there. Um, now you're, you're known around the state for all sorts of reasons, Decker, but for our listeners who may not have met you somehow, can you share with them uh, some of your background, where you grew up and went to school and um, where you've worked in the past? Well, I'm <clears throat> I'm a quad citizen. Um, I grew up in Davenport. I'm the oldest of 10 children. Uh, my mother is still alive. She's in a nursing home um, uh, with Alzheimer's. Um, so she knows I'm somebody special to her, but she can't remember my name, mm -hmm. uh, which is, um, you know, what life brings us. Um, and I went away to a Catholic seminary. A lot of people don't know that, and a lot of people get shocked when I say it. <laughs> um, I did. I was four years there, and was in the last graduating class. We closed the seminary when when I I left, as you can imagine. <laughs> I was just gonna say that, that uh, might be correlated. They had, they had enough. Um, I went two years to St. Louis University with them uh, and studied uh, theology, uh, and then I. Uh, it would have been time for me to take vows, and I chose not to take vows. And, and those of you that know me know that um, I would have had a difficult time with poverty, chastity, you know, and, and obedience. Right. Um, so I came home, and uh, I went to school at Ambrose, and I was majoring in business and working in a factory. And my roommate, uh, who I went to grade school and high school with, um, was a Bettendorf police officer. He just started a year before. And, he said, "Hey, you ought, to, you ought to try this. This is uh, it's it's kind of fun, and it's going to beat the heck out of that factory job." Mm -hmm. So I did, and I, I I applied, and I got on the police department in uh, January of 1975, mm -hmm. uh, and became a police officer. And from there, I had a very rapid police career. I was a detective in two years. I was detective sergeant in four years. Um, and then in my 11th year, um, I became the chief, uh, and I was chief for four years. Um, 
in the meantime, I got my degree in, in law enforcement and um, as I was a detective. Um, I met my wife, Jane, uh, the year that I became a police officer. So uh, we've been married as long as I've worked for the city of Bettendorf, 46 years. Um, and um, we, uh, we live in Bettendorf, obviously, and uh, have two adult children, uh, Decker and Sarah, who are 42 and 40. Um, and uh, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of the deal. And I became city administrator quite by accident on uh, April Fool's Day of 1990. <laughs> uh, I always say that's appropriate. Uh, I was acting city administrator um, in October of 89 and did it for about six months. And then uh, Mickey might remember Ann Hutchinson. Um, oh, yeah. Ann was mayor and Ann asked me to become city administrator. And um, it was a great, it was a great uh, honor and it's been a lot of fun. And, and it's been my honor to be the city administrator for the last 31 years. But for yeah. eight but for eight weeks, I left to become a banker um, at a local bank and, and figured out that I didn't belong there. And I asked the city council and the mayor for my job back. And uh, I was able to successfully navigate back in eight weeks. And um, so most of my career, all but eight weeks, have been here. It's a little sabbatical there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So real quick, uh, because the path from law enforcement and, and chief of police to city manager or city administrators is not a common one, as you know. So what can you say about what it meant to move over from the police department side into city management where you're, you're kind of, you know, you're managing everything at the city um, beyond just the one department? Yeah, you know, it wasn't as hard as you might think. And in some ways it was easier mm -hmm. because you, you tend to manage projects more than you do people. Um, if you're managing people, you're probably just managing the council members because I really don't run the departments. I have great department heads and they run, they run their departments and I just kind of guide them a little bit. Um, so the, the role kind of fit me in some ways better than uh, the administrative role of, of uh, the chief. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I actually found it refreshing and I found it... Um, uh, fun to be involved in all these things and kind of being the, you know, the puppet master, if you will, mm -hmm. versus uh, actually running a department. I struggled with my time as chief because I didn't know that you had to deal with people who were not reporting to duty or they might have been coming to work uh, maybe with some alcohol in their breath or they had some issues. Right. So, you know, dealing with personnel was not as much fun as people might think. And, and, Dealing with, with kind of setting the tone of the direction of the city, it was has been a lot more fun, and 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 you get your hands all all over a lot of stuff, um, but you don't necessarily drive everything to the finish line. Somebody else might. So I I I've actually enjoyed it, and I think I I think it suited my personality, um, maybe much better. But uh, I've loved every minute of it, frankly. Very cool. All right. I, um, I want to read one of the quotes that was read at the awards banquet about Decker. Um, the quote 
that was read said, he is one of the hardest working people I know with a very generous heart and his staff would walk through fire for him to ensure goals that are set are also met. One of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me is that leadership is all about relationships and he lives and breathes that advice every day. Decker, this says so much about you and your leadership. I absolutely loved that quote. And can you tell our listeners how you build those relationships with your staff and community? Well, I, I think all of life, personally, is about relationships. I think um, the people you touch, the people you love, the people you care for, the people you interact with, the people that you want to do business with, the people you want to play sports with, all those things are about finding out about who they are, uh, what they are, and how you can uh, use that relationship to your advantage if you want to, um, and vice versa. Um, And so I learned in my police work that you, you you could get information from people about things if you if you weren't such a scoundrel to them, if you, you treat them decently, mm-hmm. uh, you could, you could call on them when you needed information and they readily would give it to you, you know, not within reason, uh, because you had treated them decently or you'd given them a break or, or you weren't, um, a jerk to them. So I've just applied that throughout my life and, and have found that, the, the more solid the relationships I have with people, the more I'm able to call on those people when I need them or vice versa. They can call on me and I can help them. And as a result of that, I think um, you're able to, to count on a lot of people um, for very mundane tasks sometimes mm-hmm. and get something easily done. And I would give you just a most recent example. Uh, I uh, was asked in a relationship to uh, go over the edge of the Blackhawk Hotel for Big Brothers Big Sisters, and that's a deal where you rappel off a building, and it's all controlled, and you you know you're all wired up, and uh, although it did scare the shit out of me, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I did it. Uh, it was 141 feet up in the air, and uh, along with 100 other people, so it's not like I'm the only person that did it, but it was a fundraiser. And um, so I put two Facebook posts out, and I'm not a big fan of Facebook, um, but I, I did it. I got some help from my assistant, Michelle. Um, and I just said, I'm going to go off this building, um, and I want to raise $10,000. So I'd like to have 100 people give me $100, and I need the money in two weeks. And it's a good cause. I gave another Facebook post a week later and said, I'm at $3,700, little ways to go. I need your help. Mm -hmm. I finished with $11,700. Incredible. I was the highest fundraiser. And uh, I didn't go browbeat anybody. Uh, I had people throw $100 my way, $50 my way. Most of them were hundred dollars. What the irony was, I just asked for and and I got what I asked for. Um, and it, I think it just says right there a lot about how if you cultivate relationships over your life, it, what goes around will come around. Um, and so 
um, I believe that you should have a generous heart with everybody that you know, and you should uh, try to help anybody out you can help out, and you should give generously if you have the capacity to do it and be philanthropic. Um, and then when you need that yourself, uh, for whatever reason, it will it will come back around. It, people will pay it forward. So um, I don't know who gave the quote. Um, so, but I, I do believe it, and I do um, breathe it every day. Um, and I talk about that to our team, um, that that's the way we get things done here, um, is through solid relationships. And I think anybody who knows us in the Quad Cities knows that um, we've got some tremendous relationships with our local governments and tremendous cooperative relationships. And we've done some fabulous things together um, that other jurisdictions might not be able to do um, because they don't have those relationships. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it is all about relationships and I'm, I'm, uh, a strong proponent of relationship building as it relates to leadership. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> the quote is, really says it all. And, uh, I know from the league's perspective and my own personal perspective, that's, that's just who you are, Decker. You were always willing to help us out with anything. Some of you may know out there listening that Decker has served as our MC, for our awards banquet in the past, anytime we need anything from uh, the city of Bettendorf, their council, so Decker, the city management team, it's it's quick and it's and efficient. Uh, we can always count on you, and and that's and we hope to do the same for you. That, like you said, it's relationship building, and and when you need something, you know, Pete, you can count on people, and vice versa. Um, well, we, I love I love walking into a room and. Uh, Katie and Shannon and you are there and I get all these big smiles and, you know, smiles right away create um, an atmosphere of, of fun and camaraderie. And, and I love and live for those smiles. So, um, and I think lots of people do. And, and so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, when you walk into the room, the feelings mutual always lights. That's always fun. We always appreciate it. That's for sure. Now you've been with Bettendorf for a few years, and so you, we were wondering if you had any longer advice. than I've been. I've been alive, might I add? Thanks, Katie. Thanks. Just she throwing likes, that in there. She likes to remind people of their ages these days. That's right. Uh, but you, you, we were wondering if you had any advice for some city managers or city administrators, or really any city officials out there that might be struggling in their role right now. Well, you know. The work is hard enough, um, so I think you gotta you gotta throw some humor in everything in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you can't take it all that serious. Um, you know, the sun rose and set before I came here. It's gonna do that after I leave here. Um, my good friend Greg Jager, who was my city attorney for a long time, said, "Deck, you can't fix everything, and besides, the guys behind you, they're gonna need some work to do when you leave." So you got to leave something for them too. Um, I, th I think you just have to be take everything kind of lightheartedly, do the best you can to make something happen. Try to get council consensus on on doing it. One of the things that I think we've been successful with has been our goal setting. The council agrees to what it is we're going to do. We we make them fund it. If, I always say I'm going to throw a big f bomb at you if you don't fund it. We're not doing it. Um, <laughs> 
So you you have to get consensus and then you got to drive to the solution, whatever it is, and find compromise if it needs to happen. But um, you really can't take all this stuff so seriously that it would not to the point I made earlier, not put smiles on your faces every time you see your friends and, and the people that you care for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of stuff going on in the world, but you got to be able to smile at stuff and 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 you got to be to the point you all started with with me. Um, you got to be generous with with your life and 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 with those around you and and make do things that make people smile. Absolutely. And that you do. I will. Yeah. I will totally agree with what you're saying that you definitely put a smile on people's face when they see you, which we appreciate here at the league. Well, we, you know, we appreciate everything you guys do for us. You've got what, 917 cities to deal with. And um, we all have different perspectives and we all think we're more important than somebody else. Um, so, you know, you have to keep levity all the time with us. And, and you, all of us are your VIPs, even though some of us may not act like it. Um, uh, but I, I just think um, we all deserve, we all, everybody deserves the best from somebody else, not the worst from somebody else. So um, I, I love, I love making people smile. I love doing my work here at the city because I like to prove that I'm not somebody's nephew and I wasn't too stupid to be in the private sector. <laughs> that is a feeling I've also felt myself <laughs> quite yeah. a bit. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I love, yeah. I love to make stuff happen so that I prove to people, you know, I'm, I'm actually a pretty sharp individual and, and we did solve your problem. So that's right. That's right. Well, you've been proving that for a long time, my friend. We appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on the square. Well, thanks for having me. You guys have a great rest of the day and appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Thanks, Decker. And congratulations. Cheers. Cheers. And that is another episode of the square, Katie. All right. There it is, Mickey. What a, that was some great, um, individuals we got to talk to today. Yeah. We're very, uh, very appreciative of their efforts and it's great to award them, give them a little recognition for all their, hard work in their communities and what they do for the League of Cities. All right. There it is, Mickey. We are out. We'll see you all next week.